You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the Pain Pod. You wanna see pain? Look at these. <laughs> Welcome to The Pain Pod, the podcast for all things pain management, hosted by the pain guy, Dr. Mark Grofoli. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, important. focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city-like mountain man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in weapons of mass destruction response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli. All right, all right, everyone. Welcome back to the Pain Pod. Come one, come all to the Pain Pod. I have a feeling that you've been anticipating uh, this episode as a continuation of opioid madness. Just as much as yours truly, of course. So, as a reminder, we're following up on our, our March Madness here for April. And we're going to continue this opioid madness discussion where we're doing the bracketology of prescription opioids. What's the best opioid of all time? So, opioid madness part two, here we go. All right, before we jump into uh, the next round here, we're going to want to cover, of course, a little remembrance those that we those opioids that we have lost along this bracketology madness. Uh, so back in the first round... We said adios to codeine. Yep, it's as easy as A, B, C, T, 1, 2, 3, and 4, right? Um, all divisible, of course, within those 15 milligram increments for uh, acetaminophen with codeine. And then, of course, we lost out with butorphanol. Spay your pets, spray your migraines, right? That's what Barb Barker or maybe even Drew would say. And then uh, lump the next two that we lost uh, together, the oxymorphone and the hydromorphone. Oxy to oxy, so oxymetabolite and hydro to hydro, hydrometabolite. Hydrocodone, of course, oxycodone, of course. And then, in epic fashion, adios, oxycodone. You know, uh, so many stories, riveting stories, um, of course, within pain management, addiction, drug diversion. I'm sure you've seen the, the books, the many books that are out there. You know, uh, a book a day. I, I'm thinking maybe we should do a book club podcast sometime, you know, concentrating on all of the uh, literature that's out there, sometimes bestsellers, sometimes just really good uh, rundowns on this uh, whole opioid madness that's out there. And let's not forget, of course, hydrocodone. That's, you know, uh, acetaminophen's other best buddy along the way. And then it was adios, vitamin D, meparidine, all gone. And the last but not least, we said adios to tramadol. Sayonara, tramadol. Um, you know, tramadol really makes me think of uh, a couple things here, like even uh, across the globe, 
you know, not just within our own country, uh, prescription opioid utilization varies across the globe. Uh, but just like when you leave our, our pond uh, and there's no more ounces, you jump into the metric system and there's no more acetaminophen. It's known as paracetamol literally everywhere but here in America. Uh, but I always think about talking with international uh, rotation student pharmacists and really other healthcare professionals doing mission work and whatnot. Um, and I always ask people, you know, what, what's uh, pain management like in whatever country they've been to? And typically it peaks at tramadol. So, you know, uh, lo lots of things going on, of course, with student pharmacists, but that's one of the things I always talk to them about whenever they're traveling. Uh, you know, speaking of student pharmacists and residents for that matter, uh, a little shout out to Tony G for the residency podcast here in the Pharmacy Podcast Network overall. Uh, we actually used to work together, certainly still keep in touch and whatnot. Uh, hey, maybe we'll collaborate someday, but um, sorry, that just made me think of that, of course, overall. But that's the hot and heavy eight, eight opioids that are sayonara. Onward we go to Opioid Madness Part 2, the next round. So, we've got morphine versus levorphanol. And then we've got, whoa, here's a big one, methadone versus buprenorphine. And then fentanyl versus sufentanil, perhaps cousins again. And then olaceridine versus tapentadol. But folks, let's start out, let's start at the core here. Morphine versus levorphanol. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so everybody knows morphine, right? Well... It's natural, it's in the opium poppy, so it's an opiate. Whereas levorphanol, fully synthetic, man-made, we did that. And then when you're thinking about morphine, as far as mechanisms, mu and kappa. Of course, we always concentrate on the mu. It's all about the mu, baby. Whereas levorphanol, mm, typical answer is yes, or all the above. You've got mu, delta, kappa, opioid, NMDA, SNRI, anticholinergic, you know, the list doesn't go on, uh, that's it, but pfft. That's that's a little bit of a pushing the, the meter over towards levorphanol. What about MMEs? Morphine milligram equivalents, talking about relatively trying to figure out potency or comparing the two. Kind of a tough thing. MMEs, they got at least a half a dozen things going on with them, but uh, we'll cover that someday here. But morphine, I, I mean, it's the gold standard of MMEs. It's, it's literally morphine milligram equivalent. So morphine's right there. It's a one. It's like the, the grandfather of it all. Levorphanol. Dropping an 11 MME factor. Whew. That, that's that's more than 10 times uh, the relative quote-unquote potency. I don't know. Starting to see uh, a trend here. Um, you know, when talking about morphine, I mean, really with any opioids, but since that's the, the grandparent of them all, and in the poppy, I might as well talk about the good old, you know, what side effects? Itching. It's not an allergy, folks. It's releasing the histamine. Uh, good golly. I, when, uh, when the missus and I are always talking with our young toddler and uh, about not itching uh, bug bites and whatnot, uh, we always say, don't let the histamine win. Uh, well, when somebody's talking about an opioid utilization, it's kind of the same thing. It's a release of histamine. It's going to make you itch. It's expected. It's not an allergy. Good golly. Let's document that better, eh? All right. I think, I think, I think we know what's going on here. Um, the tables were, were turning. I think we need an ode to morphine. Morphine, the Hulk Hogan of opioids. I am a real American. Yes, and when talking about Hulk Hogan, makes me think about the Royal Rumble. You know, a couple of my buddies actually came up with the idea of, uh, hey, Mark, why, why are you doing this uh, opioid madness? You should do an opioid Royal Rumble. Put them all in the ring at the same time and see who comes out. One of them actually even suggested The Undertaker. Well, that's getting a little dicey, right? Well, regardless, it's owed to morphine time. 
All right. Well, since we had our ode to morphine, ooh, the, the grandparent is gone. This is getting dicey, folks. Next up, you want to talk about dicey. Here we go. Methadone versus buprenorphine. These are two heavy hitters, to say the least, all right? You know, you talk about, uh, we always mention mechanisms of action. Well, they're both really all the above. Methadone's got mu, SNRI, NMDA, uh, buprenorphine, you're talking partial, oh my goodness, the most misunderstood pharmacological term known to mankind, but partial mu agonist. It's got delta, kappa, that's actually antagonist, and then even uh, ORL as well. That's a little bit deeper there, though. So they've both got a lot going on there. What about utility and dosage? Methadone, uh, utilized for pain management, of course. Hey, that's why we're here at the pain pod, right? That's uh, usually around uh, every six hours or so, give or take. Uh, whereas the MAT, or medication-assisted treatment, the uh, substance use disorder and opioid addiction, uh, of course, typically once daily dosing. And clinic only. That's a tricky one. That doesn't tip the tables here towards methadone, but, you know. Buprenorphine, however, uh, typically micrograms for pain management dosing. Uh, the buccal products are every 12 hours, so twice a day, whereas the patches, transdermal, are, are once a week, every seven days. Uh, then you've got, the, as far as the addiction side of the dosing, oh, good golly. Uh, if the world does not understand partial agonism, certainly not going to understand, well, uh, medicine having a half-life of a day and a half, Yet we tend to observe it being dosed more than once a day. Sometimes, a lot of times, maybe. Mm, tricky. And then you got the X waiver and whatnot. Um, methadone, however, when you're talking about MMEs, it's exponential. Oh my goodness, whether you're a clinician or a researcher or whatever, it just, that's just, it gets confusing. It's very simple math, but boy, does it get confusing. Uh, buprenorphines, mm, it's 30. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later, perhaps. Uh, when, it, when it comes to methadone, you got numerous drug interactions. You got incremental respiratory depression concern. Uh, Half-life is either a work day or a week. Um, you know, we mentioned that on the last episode. And of course, you got to watch the heart um, monitoring the ECG. And we're not talking about on smart watches and whatnot here. That's uh, legitimately in a clinic or something. That being said, buprenorphine, relatively safer. Uh, it's got the quote-unquote respiratory depression ceiling effect. Uh, you do have to watch out for 3A4 interactions, and that's everywhere too, though. But, you know, that relatively safer, uh, it's, that's, I, I think we have a winner. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. All right. Yes, just as Charles Dickens said it, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's probably the best way to explain methadone with all its trickiness and great utility as well. But we're going to say sayonara to methadone. Boop wins. All right. Next up, we have fentanyl versus sufentanil. We got some cousins going here now. So fentanyl. All right. Everybody knows about fentanyl, right? Been around forever. Uh, and phew, boy, anybody check out the uh, drug overdose percentages these days? Yeah. It's like two thirds fentanyl, right? Is that the stuff that we're working with as healthcare professionals? Heck no. It's the stuff that's in the streets and laced with who knows what else, right? Um, but fentanyl is fully synthetic mu agonist, so is sufentanil. Uh, fentanyl, you could utilize it in renal insufficiency. Uh, sufentanil, the product that uh, we're talking about here, really has a simplified dosage. You're looking really in the, the ER, perhaps urgent care, whatnot, the, the acute care setting. So uh, very specific utilization currently as far as what was studied and, and what um, is being observed. Uh, but we got to keep that in mind overall. 
Uh, the uh, the simplified dosage with sufentanil. So it's it's in a device. It's it's a little tiny uh, sublingual 30 microgram uh, blue tablet. It's in a device. Um, it, it's super simplified dosage. You know, put un, under the under the the tongue and whatnot, um, and deploy the device. It's like a, a little. It looks almost like an oral syringe, but not quite. Uh, you got to keep at least an hour between doses. Uh, maximum 12 a day. Um, what else? Uh, it, use beyond like three days is really, that's not been studied, but again, we're looking in the acute care setting anyway. So whereas with fentanyl, you know, we got our options. Uh, it's available in darn near every dosage formulation known to mankind, but uh, we always hone in on the TD patches or transdermal. Uh, yeah, I remember back in the day, we had the reservoir, not reservoir dogs, uh, just reservoir uh, when the actual fentanyl would have been able to be extracted with a needle. And boy, people did that. Now we've got the Matrix uh, version of it all. No, not Neo in the red and blue pill. Uh, the TD fentanyl patch. Come on, folks. Uh, then, uh, of course, things to keep in mind with the patches, uh, you don't want to cut those things, good golly, and uh, you want to be careful when you're, I always say at the beach, um, anywhere there's vasodilation or redness of the skin, um, it's going to be absorbed more and that can be an issue. So keep that in mind here in this battle. Uh, Sufentanil, um, as far as, you know, one of the big questions with that is, so with this new product, um, the Desuvia product, what's the MMEs of it? So yeah, Sufentanil is something that could uh, take down a herd of elephants, right? Um, not talking about carfentanil this time, but yes, yeah, Sufentanil. Uh, that being said, though, the product that actually is utilized in, in hospitals uh, has an MME of five. So yeah, it's comparable to a Lortab, a Vicodin, or whatever. So not taking down any type of elephant with that. All right, uh, so this is a tough one. Um, you, you know, we really want to concentrate on the prescription side, the healthcare side, but you know all the devastation that's going on with fentanyl right now in the, not just our country, but across the globe? I, I just don't have the heart. Um, Two thirds of all these overdoses are coming from uh, that type of product. So you know what? We're going to say an ode to fentanyl. Um, it also reminds me of my COVID kidney stone. Three hours I was in the ER on Friday the 13th at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Uh, three hours I went in pain and good golly, remember we mentioned, hey, usually um, up to um, three days even with the product. What, what if the Sue Fentanyl product was given to me and would have had a much more enjoyable stay um, overall? So uh, one thing I do want to mention is uh, we do have these fentanyl tests that are available for society now. And of course, that's on the illicit side, but uh, you could check out some uh, things online regarding that as well. Uh, but that's uh, the things that have been studied recently. But as far as fentanyl goes, we're going to say, you know what? Let the cartels have it. Say hello to my little friend. All right. Thank you, Scarface, there for the say hello to my little friend. But uh, next up, all right, next big battle, we've got olaceridine versus tepentadol. A lot of people are going to say, whoa, wait, wait a minute. What the heck is olaceridine? Good question. It's one of those novel, newer opioids. Uh, it's uh, selective within the whole receptor uh, area. Uh, it avoids beta arrestin. What does that mean for us? It attempts to avoid respiratory depression as a possible side effect slash dose-related effect and whatnot. And that's huge. Um, debatable out there and if it could be uh, actually a completely avoidable, but at the same time, certainly, um, you know, in a better scenario than two. Uh, we're looking at the product being Olenvik. Uh, basically, a milligram IV of that is equal to about morphine IV, five milligrams. So... Uh, very novel idea here for this avoidance of beta arresting to, to, you know, aim towards saving lives of not having to worry about respiratory depression. 
Uh, whereas with Tapentadol, it's a mixed action opioid. That means it's an opioid, but it does have the other effects with norepinephrine, not serotonin like tramadol, uh, but the opioid mu and then norepinephrine as well. I call it a munery. That's a tricky one to say though. Um, now, I mentioned uh, the dosage as far as olaciridine there. How about MME factor for tapentadol? 0.4. Good golly, it's less than one. So yeah, half of less than half of that of morphine, but four times that of tramadol. Um, really, really important thing here, folks. Um, things we got to keep in mind. Um, when it comes to, to any MME factor, you got to, it's not just memorizing these MME factors. It's also thinking about the big picture. What about the milligrams of the product? Uh, tramadol and in this case, Tepentadol are really good examples of this. You know, let's take for instance, Tepentadol 100 milligrams, relatively commonly observed dosage. You times it by 0.4, you know, like less than, less than half a morphine and you get 40 MMEs. That's like eight Vicodins. Good golly. Um, we got to keep that in mind here, especially with the mixed action. So, you know, you're, you're, it's like a BOGO, a buy one, get one there as far as mixed action goes. Typically a good scenario uh, overall. Uh, jumping back to lacerdine, as far as dosage adjustments, you don't have to worry as much. Uh, things like, you know, renal uh, impairment or even mild or moderate uh, hepatic. But, you know, it's IV administration only. And we're talking big picture all of healthcare for the greatest opioid of all time. It's just not going to cut it. Tepentadol uh, has an onset of 30 minutes. So you could use it acute and, of course, has chronic utilization. So guess what, folks? Tepentadol, here we come. You're moving on to the final four, good sir. All right. Speaking of the final four, we're down to the final four opioids of all time. All right. So who's up to bat first? We've got... Heavy hitter in one corner, Lavorfinol versus Buprenorphine. This should be another epic battle. Well, Lavorfinol, we mentioned it's fully synthetic. Buprenorphine, semi-synthetic. Yeah, you know, tomato, tomato. Uh, mechanisms of action, they're both wicked awesome. Uh, Lavorfinol, darn near every opioid route. NMDA, SNRI, anticholinergic. Yeah, you got to watch for side effects there too, by the way. Um, as far as buprenorphine, we already went over, uh, of course, the opioid side of the world. Uh, what about MME factors? Well, levorphanol, it's, uh, MME is 11, whereas buprenorphine is 30. Kind of gets hidden in the weeds these days. No, I'm not talking cannabis yet. Someday, though. Uh, levorphanol, here's a little bit of a limitation. It's available as a 2 milligram tablet. That's all you got? Uh-oh. Looking like Bupe's about to win here, eh? Yep, and buprenorphine's got pain and addiction utility. The whole relatively safer compared to other opioids issue. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think we're going to be bidding farewell to one of the opioid madness, Cinderella's Lavorphanol. The clock has struck 12 and baby needs a new pair of shoes. Baby needs a new pair of shoes. Ah, yes. Buprenorphine wins, hands down. All right, folks, we got our second final four matchup here. We've got Sufentanil versus Tepentadol. Again, two heavy hitters. Um, you know, the usual idea here as far as mechanisms. Well, you know, Sufentanil, fully synthetic mu agonist, Tepentadol, mixed action. Mm, starting to lean towards Tepentadol already. Um, what about the Sufentanil, though, as far as, you know, I talked about earlier about herds of elephants and whatnot. So, so fentanyl itself is uh, known to be five to ten times more potent than fentanyl. That's pretty strong. Considering that fentanyl has a MME factor of 100 to begin with. And again, that sounds very glorified there and rather potent, but uh, 
each of the tablets in the single device is five MMEs. So uh, super simple uh, utilization, um, you know, for the clinician to just insert in mouth and and done compared to IV dosing and worrying about all that stuff. So, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, there's actually a, a phase three study for the same scenario for, um, for an IV uh, personal controlled analgesia or PCA, I believe it's going to be called uh, Zalviso, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyways, that that's in the pipeline phase three, as far as I know right now. But we're looking at really just the acute uh, emergency room, perhaps current utilization only. So that's really limiting. Um, look, looking like we might be having an ode to sufentanil here, because I think the pentanol is going to be making it there. So Here's another case. We've got another opioid madness Cinderella tapping out. The clock has struck 12 yet again. Pentadol wins, and that's a fact, Jack. That's the fact, Jack! That's a fact, Jack! All right, folks. Looks like we're in the championship game. It's on. All right, folks. In this corner, we have buprenorphine, and in the other corner, we have Tepentadol. The Battle of the Titans. Let's do this. This is for the greatest opioid of all time, folks. We're down to two champions. Let's crown the ultimate champion. All right, first up, buprenorphine. Mechanisms? Yes, as far as opioids. Tepentadol? Hmm, it's mixed action, so it goes beyond opioids. Uh-oh, we're getting to see some uh, leaning towards Tepentadol here. Um, that mixed action, by the way, uh, for tepentadol, um, it actually delays the tolerance uh, for the opioid side of things as well, too. Um, one of the things, though, is uh, headache and blood pressure side effects uh, typically are going to discourage the abuse of tepentadol. So again, this is leaning towards, I, we're starting to have a round one uh, points winner here. Looking like tepentadol. All right, buprenorphine, MME factor 30. Yes, originally when the CDC published their guidelines in 2016, it was 10. Um, and uh, we, we all, I think, uh, across the country, a bunch of us got together and uh, worked with them, and it became 30. And now you can't find it anywhere because of, of a, in a good way to try and avoid any stigma associated with it on the MAT side. But it's 30. We need to know that as clinicians. Depentadol 0.4, but again, we already went off on my, my rant earlier, but you got to multiply it by the milligrams too. So got to keep that in mind. Um, buprenorphine's probably winning that round, all right? Um, now, what controlled substance class are these things? Because, of course, they're opioids. Uh, bup to C3, but don't forget about the X waiver. Are we going to have an X waiver uh, for the MAT, the addiction side of things? Are we going to have that a year from now, two years from now? We got to wait and see, folks. Um, it almost got diminished a couple weeks ago. Uh, but that got kiboshed literally at the last second, perhaps the last hour, but we'll say last second. So yeah, still hanging around, but uh, the proposed Kara 3.0 is going to indirectly aim to eliminate that uh, extra necessity for prescribing. All right. And Tepentadol, of course, is a C2 because, well, came out relatively sooner than the other opioids and good luck some having something not be a C2 these days, right? All right, buprenorphine, bringing it to the table here. Of course, we mentioned earlier that relatively safer because of the ceiling effect. You know, I always caution watching on the ceiling effect because I, I, anyone I think could agree that that's a relative to other opioids, a good thing, definitely a good thing. But let's not go all in and lose sight of things here. You know, what, what if uh, my four-year-old licks a, a buprenorphine film? Yeah, we're going to the ER faster than anything, whether it's me or the ambulance, um, either way. I'm sure my wife hopes it's the ambulance in that uh, tragic type of scenario, but... Uh, the big picture here is that it's it's patient-based as well, too. But in general, we have that ceiling effect. 
Um, metabolism 3A4. So you got to watch with buprenorphine with that. Um, I think that doesn't get highlighted enough in our clinical world. Uh, whereas with tempentadol, it's 2C19 and 2D6. You know, a fancy way of saying other types of interactions to worry about. Twice as many, but, you know, not as heavy hitting as 3A4. <laughs> you know, as these rounds go on in this epic battle, uh, we're, we're looking uh, pretty close here. So uh, buprenorphine has a very, very high mu opioid receptor affinity. What's that mean? It's like a magnet. Um, there's, there's very few other opioids that even come near the magnetism of buprenorphine to the opioid receptor. Uh, it's not necessarily displacement, but you know we're, we're talking about that magnetism overall. What does that mean in the end? If a patient is utilizing buprenorphine and then there is an opioid overdose and they're dying from not being able to breathe, you're going to probably need a higher naloxone dose, right? Because um, it's going to have to overcome uh, that high receptor affinity. And that makes you wonder, well, what about buprenorphine naloxone products? Oh boy, we'll talk about them in, the, in future episodes, don't worry. Now, Tepentadol, it's got acute use, uh, it's at 30 minutes-ish, and then of course chronic utilization as well. Uh, but buprenorphine brings it to the table with being able to, to go into both realms of pain, with typically with microgram dosages, um, you know, for buccal and transdermal, and then of course milligrams uh, for MAT addiction uh, utility. You know, that, that's those things as far as the relatively safer, um, the that receptor affinity, the utility in pain and addiction. Folks, you know where I'm heading. I think we might even have a champ. That's how winning is done. That is how winning is done, Rock. Buprenorphine is our champion, the greatest opioid of all time relative to all the other opioids. But we do have to remember, yes, we've crowned a champ here. Folks, we have a champ. The champ is here, buprenorphine. But we got to remember, uh, you know, respecting the chemical when it comes to the other ones as well, too. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. So yes, as Rocky says there, you got to keep moving forward. So all, all the other comers of uh, prescription opioids, we still got to, you know, realize the utility and respect the chemical. It is a delicate balance, a seriously delicate balance, folks. And let's not succumb to all the opioid madness and all the opioid sensationalization. There's people, there's patients in pain, and we have to help them. That's what we're here to do on this planet, and certainly as clinicians. So there's utility for these products across the board, not just with the champ, um, but you got to respect the chemical along the way. Uh, so I, uh, I hope everyone's had a heck of a journey here um, as far as opioid madness part two goes. Um, I, I really just want to throw this out there for everybody that, uh, you know, join us for our ne next episode of The Pain Pod. We're actually going to dive deeper into this opioid madness, sensationalization, pandemonium, and suffering patients everywhere. Who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters, folks. Uh, but I strongly feel you're going to enjoy our upcoming guests on The Pain Pod. Uh, the guests will be here, trust me. Uh, so stay tuned on social media of all forms for more information. Until then, folks, stay safe, stay sane, and stay in touch. The champ is in buprenorphine. If you'd like to join Mark on the pain pod, send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. And make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Thanks for listening.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.